This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 366 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, your friend and mine, the inimitable Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am as inimitable as I always am. Ooh. Is- yeah, highly inimitable. Yes. Um, is that the most times that word's been said on a podcast ever? Maybe. Certainly on this podcast. Yeah, really. We, we usually try to stick to words of five letters or fewer. We we, we cater to a, a, a less sophisticated clientele for sure. That's exactly right. Mostly because I'm less sophisticated than any of them. So, uh, got a lot to talk about this week. Let's jump right in. Some, some big news. Uh, the Reds finally found a shortstop, Jason. They did. And what a shortstop. I mean... How often is it that you get a shortstop with a 49 homer season on his resume? Yeah, former All-Star. Yeah. Terribly exciting. His name is Eugenio Suarez. Now, I want to unpack this this thing. Obviously, the Reds announced this week that Suarez was going to start at shortstop, and and Suarez is the answer for the team right now. And there there are two things here that I think we need to... uh, Here's here's my opinion. I want to split these two things up, and then we can dive into them a little more. Number one, this is completely, in my mind, uh, an act of desperation on the uh, Ford uh, manager David Bell and general manager Nick Crawl because they don't have the money to go get a shortstop. Uh, completely an act of desperation. I think that's to me that's absolutely true. But the flip side is this is also, you know, you can make a really good argument that this is the best option that they have given who they have. You know, I don't know that Gino can play it defensively, but I like I like me some Gino. So anyway, what do you think about this uh, this move, Jason? I, I agree. I mean, it's definitely happening because, you know, basically it's become clear to them that Kyle Farmer isn't going to get it done. And it's let's be real. I mean, based on the way they've divided up playing time, they were basically giving it to Kyle Farmer. Yeah. Um, a little de strange Gordon in there in the mix, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, given the personnel, it's the right option. It, it looks like, it looks like honestly, what really forced the move is Jonathan India, um, who I guess just continues to impress. And so they want to make room for him and he can't play short, but you know, Gino is worth noting has the most major league experience at shortstop on the roster, including Cal Farmer who started in the playoffs and D strange Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think he'll be fine. He's not going to be, you know, uh, Zach Cozart out there. But, you know, what I said on Twitter the other day is think of him as Jeter with more power. I mean, Jeter was famously bad at shortstop. Oh, that's, that can't be true. That's not, the, that's not what I heard. Well, it's because you're a closet Yankees fan and we forgive you that, among other things. I would love I would love to see someone go and, and, and mix together all the clips of uh, announcers saying, oh, pasta diving Jeter. You put them all into one big YouTube clip. It would be <laughs> fantastic. I mean, it would never end. <laughs> right, yeah. I have to do a Twitch so, stream. You know, I mean, Gino is, from what we've seen from him, probably a tick above average at third. Um, so I expect him to be a tick or two below average at short, which is fine. He's not going to be a disaster. It's not like, you know, when Adam Dunn lost his legs entirely and still tried to play the outfield for a while. He was still great. That's how I remember it. I know. <laughs> I just have to get in a Dunn, a Dunn dig whenever I can. I appreciate that. I think there's a, a, a decent chance that Suarez will be a disaster defensively at shortstop. Um, I mean, you may be right. Um, but uh, the, the flip side of the uh, What's that? Define disaster. The worst fielding shortstop in the major leagues. But but, but the Maybe. the Maybe. flips the flip side though is that this is a discussion that you and I have had uh, numerous times. You know how much in the ages of shifts and uh, you know uh, the analytical age of where we position our players. You know it's probably the best time in the history of baseball to be a bad defensive shortstop because you can kind of. 
you can't cover up everything because it's still an extremely important defensive position, but you can cover up some of it. And, uh, and I'm not saying that he will be the worst short. I mean, you know, he's, he's Gino. Everybody loves Gino. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, Gino kind of is, is almost to an extent, at least in the Joey mold in that he tends to work on stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen, I have nothing. Uh, I'm critical of the fact that the Reds, <laughs> refuse to get a shortstop, and so out of desperation, they have to start Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. But I'm trying very carefully to thread the needle to where I'm not criticizing Gino because there's I have no criticisms of Eugenio Suarez. I love him. He's one of my favorite players in the last 25 years for the Reds. You know, he's just he's fun and he has fun on the field. And oh, by the way, he's also pretty good at baseball. So it's not a criticism of him. I, I'm trying to. Does that make sense? My threading that needle. You are, you are. But also, you, you know, you talk about shifts and stuff, and uh, Eno Saris um, had a good piece up on The Athletic. I think it was today, either that or it went up like late last night, that I, I certainly read it today, um, where he talked about Gino being a short, among other things. It was one of those kind of grab bag kind of columns. But he pointed out that with all of the, it's not just the shift, it's all the strikeouts, right? Yeah. So the average shortstop, gets a chance to make two plays per game. Two. You know, that's a good point. It's probably fewer than shortstops in the history of baseball. It is. It's the lowest in, in the we have year that we have the data for, based on the last couple of years, obviously. So we so, need, I need to quit complaining about the few, some few balls being put into play. <laughs> we should be happy about that now. This is, this is a whole nother podcast, but I, <laughs> I've become a strong advocate for various rule changes that would reduce strikeouts, increase balls in play, so on and so forth. And until they fix this game, I think infield defense essentially matters not at all. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Between and the three true outcomes, whatever, you stick Joey Votto at short, he's probably not going to kill you. (laughs) Mercy. (laughs) That's a bold statement there. Um, Um, I'm with you on the rule changes. We probably ought to do a deep dive into some of that stuff one of these days because uh, we, you and I both love this game, but it's, it's not the most um, aesthetically appealing that it's ever been in the history of this game. And I feel like I always sound like an old man yelling at clouds when I say that, but I, I don't know. I just think it's true. So, okay. Gino is Gino and I'm happy about Gino. Oh, can I tell you, can I tell you what I heard? Some scuttlebutt. You want to hear some scuttlebutt? I mean, a scuttlebutt. Some scuttlebutt is that Gino was uh, pushing for this a little bit. Um, and that perhaps uh, the motivation is uh, cash dollars, United States legal tender. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, you remember uh, Manny Machado a couple years ago wanting to want to play some shortstop, thinking that on the free agent market it might improve his uh, yeah. marketability? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying I hear rumblings. I mean, it did seem like, you know, he was kind of the – to this this time, he was kind of the, the prototypical – showing up in the best shape of his life. And he did come up as a shortstop. Yeah. And I kind of wondered if he kind of looked at things, I mean, you know, whether it's monetarily motivated or not, and was like, hey, we have 73 guys who can play third and nobody who can play short. I can play short. I just got to get in shape. And, well, if it was just getting in shape, they should have told him five years ago to get in shape uh, and do it because he's way more valuable. I mean, if he can play shortstop, if he can be serviceable at shortstop, he is a much more, I mean, he's an all-star, he's already an all-star at third, but he is a, you know, top shelf shortstop. And oh, yeah, yeah, he's, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is he's, he's way better in the rankings of major league shortstops. If he can play it, than he would be in the, in the rankings of major league third baseman. And so if he's looking to get paid, that's the way to do it. Of course, our owner's not going to pay him, but that's a different story for a different podcast or you know, the, the limited data that we have on him at short and it is limited he's basically kind of what you know this was from five years ago so lord knows things have changed but uh back you know in his mid-20s he was average to slightly below average at short yeah right when he was you know at 22 yeah um well 25 but yeah okay uh yeah i mean i think that's fair um I, you know he he looked at times like he was going to be well above average defensively at third Never quite happened, but he's he's not bad. He's got good instincts, good arm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I love Eugenio Suarez unconditionally. So wherever he's playing, he's going to be one of my favorites. 
Yeah, I agree totally. Let's talk about the the other moves that uh, were kind of predicated on Suarez moving to uh, to short. The first of those that I want to talk about, and you've already mentioned India. We'll get to him in a moment. Uh, but Mike Mustakas, who you know was last year's second baseman, signed to a four year deal before last season, is now going to be the third baseman. Mike Mustakas is not a good defensive player. It seems to me, however, that an aging middle infielder, third base is probably a better place to put him if he could, you know, I mean, he's not going to have to move as much. So I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, and I think that seems fine. I mean, and he really, I mean, he really is a third baseman. He's got way more time at third than anywhere else. Um. He was a third. He's the third baseman that was, you know, could play a serviceable second base, and so he, he kind of got forced there with the Brewers. Yeah. Um, so I'm okay with that. I mean, he's not a he's not uh, Gino at third, but I, we're talking about bad defense uh, around this infield, and we're going to talk some more about that. We have a good viewer mail question about that, but that's actually probably a better position for him. You agree with that, right? Yeah, probably, probably. I, for some reason, had assumed they would put India at third, but but then when they put Moustakas, it made sense. Well, and that's the other part, Jonathan India. And uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about uh, about India here. and Because I don't know that you and I really unpacked uh, our thoughts on India that much. Now, India at second base, I think, you know, India's uh, fairly athletic. He's came up as a third baseman out of uh, out of University of Florida, yeah, but I think everyone agrees he's athletic enough to play second base, and uh, and has played second base well. But I mean, are, are we at the point now where it looks like Jonathan India is the is the second baseman on this team because of that and and is that a good thing? Because I've got some thoughts. Well, I have some thoughts too, and and this is what I think. I think yes and yes, and the reason I think it's a good thing is that. Based on my understanding, well, first of all, I mean, I know that that for a while people weren't super high on him because he wasn't producing like they wanted him to in the minors. But the deal was he he hurt his wrist, right? Like that was what happened to him. And you may remember that Jesse Winker hurt his wrist in the minors. And then for a year hmm. and a bit, like, man, is Winker going to pan out? Interesting. His wrist injuries just seem to take a while. Um, and everybody seems really impressed with him now. The In the minors, he certainly has hit, like... And he was a first-round draft pick for a reason. I mean, he was the fifth pick overall. Out of a good college league, man. The SEC is good baseball. Yeah. So, I, you know, he might be a slight bit of a late bloomer here, but I don't see any reason why he can't do the job. Well, you know, uh, Chris Garber and I had a, uh, a conversation about, about India, and I, I'm kind of this, you know, uh, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm we talk every single spring. You and I have this conversation every spring about ignore spring stats just ignore them and it seems like we're all getting a little bit over over our skis here on jonathan because he's had a a good spring and he has had a good spring i mean i'm looking at his his, uh, numbers right now 348 average 500 on base percentage that'll do it here's here's the thing i'm going to tell you chad i didn't know those numbers until you told me told them to me i don't look at the spring stats i know you don't what I've what I've listened to, but like last year, everybody was talking about how great Jonathan India was doing. This year, everybody's talking about how great Jonathan India was do, is doing. And you know, to some extent, you know, on that kind of thing, if the coaches are like, "Hey, this kid looks like he's ready," then all right, let's do it. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's fair as well. I, I think that I, I'm kind of low man on India I, because I've not seen it yet. I, I've not been impressed by anything he's done in his minor league career, but. And, and I, I do. I mean, he's hit everywhere. He's not really hit. I mean, if you look at his, you can't. You, some of those minor league parks, like you have to remember some things. You have to remember that the ball is juiced at the AAA and major league level, and you have to remember that the Red. I can never remember which one it is, but the Reds have one park that, like, se- they play in one league that seriously suppresses offense. So if you look at his like runs created W runs created plus, he's basically killed the ball at every level except for A ball. He had an off twenty seven games at A ball, but he killed it at high A and he killed it in his thirty four games. He got a double A. All right, I'm going to pull him up here um, while we're talking. Here, here's there, but they expect the power to be back now that his wrist has gotten where it should be. I, I mean, I think the wrist. I think that's legit. Um, 
I don't know. I look at this. <laughs> I'm not seeing what you're seeing out of the minor league numbers. Um, I necessarily. See a- 125 and a 138 on the W runs created plus from his last two stops. Oh, okay. Is that I good? Mean, Is that good? Yeah. That's for, for a middle infielder. Yes. Here, here's what I'm saying about India. And here's where I was going. All right. Was that I am not convinced based on what I've seen. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm perfectly willing to admit that. I Certainly. mean, it would not be the first. <laughs> Listen, I take a lot of abuse on this podcast. That's fine. I don't mind. I've been wrong before. Um, but I, I just, I don't see it. I really don't see it. But where, where I was going was I'm completely ignoring his spring stats this year. And everybody's going nuts about how great he's playing. You know, you know how Twitter is. They're going nuts. And he had, he's played well, sure, certainly. And you know, how many, how many uh, at bats has he had? Um, 23 at bats, <laughs> 23 at bats this spring. And so I ignore that. But the reason why I'm willing to keep an open mind is that, you know, he kind of got screwed by, you know, the way it was last year. And he had to be out at, uh, at the ketchup factory all year. And one of the things you heard all, the entire time was that Jonathan India looks good out here. And so we don't have, that might have been his breakout year in the minor leagues if he'd had a chance to play in the minor leagues. Or even, you know, getting bumped up to the major leagues last year. Um, so I'm willing to concede that maybe he really has kind of turned a corner and been that top five draft pick that we were hoping for. Um, and, and so I, I guess I can see it, but I need to see, I need to see it actually happen on the field. I, I, I agree with you there. And I think that, you know, the, the, the reason that the talk on India is so seems so significant, I think is that up until last year, you never heard anything about him. Right. Right. Yeah, everybody seemed to be completely underwhelmed with what they were seeing from him, and that's just not the case anymore. And sometimes guys take a minute to figure it out, you know. Like um, it, it, there can, can be some growing pains, but I, you know, I went and looked something up real quick just because I was curious. You, know, I, I always, you know, how I like to set our expectations at the proper level, right? <laughs> Please do that. So, okay, in terms of relative to major league average. How good of a hitter do you think Jonathan India will be? This year? Yeah. Oh, goodness. I think he'll be 5% below average. So you think he will be almost exactly a major league average second baseman? Oh, you know what? That's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that, actually. uh, I went and looked up the 2019 uh, league stats, and and major league second baseman were 6% below average. I'll I'll take that actually out of my second baseman this year. Yeah, for a rookie, and wouldn't you rather have that than Kyle Farmer as your everyday shortstop? Jason, you're talking me into it. It's not hard to talk you into it. <laughs> it's not. He, well, if you're talking about him versus Kyle Farmer, you're you know, and he's probably what like the seven batter. Who you want batting seventh? You want Jonathan India or you want Kyle Farmer? That's a great way to frame it. That really is a great way to frame it. Because there's, there's, no one says Kyle Farmer except for Kyle Farmer's mom. Right. And because, you know what, Jonathan India's floor is probably Kyle Farmer, right? Like His floor is probably Kyle Farmer's ceiling. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, so worst case scenario, you get a good Kyle Farmer year out of giant Jonathan <laughs> India. Best case scenario, you get a guy who was, was the fifth pick in the draft. All right, I'm talking myself into this. I still don't think it forgives the Reds for refusing to get an actual oh, shortstop. It does not. Let's they not forget have thrown that. Seven piles of money at all of those guys who were available. They should have that. I, that's inexcusable for sure. But you know, I can't blame David Bell for making the best of what he's been handed. I hate to I hate to give David Bell any credit here, but this probably is the best the best option he had. Until he, you know, subs out Suarez in the fourth inning to get Kyle Farmer in there. Well, <laughs> are you looking forward to watching that happen? Let's not talk about that. Thank you. Let's not. Um, okay, so there, we've kind of unpacked that a little bit, and and it is what it is. I I think we both agree that it's ridiculous that Bell and and Nick Crawl were forced to make this decision, but I'm willing to I'm willing to see how it plays out and. Uh, 
Fingers, I, fingers crossed on India. And I'll sack you just to just to stir the pot because you know how I like to stir the pot. Please, please stir it. Entertain the notion that when everyone on this club is healthy, it is very possible that uh, Mike Mustakis should not be in the lineup. All right, you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to play that one out for me. Uh, if India plays to his potential, right? Right. And you've got four outfielders, one of whom was drafted as a third baseman. I know who you're talking about. He's my guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mustakis. Scenario where the aging guy is where he is, and the younger guys are where they are, and people pass each other up. Okay, a couple things here. You're I mean, actually it's not going to happen. Mike Mustakis is going to play every day. Yeah. But there's a scenario where he shouldn't. He's 32 this yeah. year. Um, let me say a couple of things. You you just gave me, we didn't even plan this, but a perfect segue into the next topic. Uh, first thing is this. I, uh, let me think how to put this. I have information that says David Bell is never going to let Nick Senzel play in the infield. Interesting. Me, yes. That, that's all I'm going to say on that point. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to betray any confidences, but that's information that I have. And that's really unfair for me to say that and not explain. But I'm telling you all because nobody listens to this podcast. The second part is this. Shogakiyama's hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, he's not relevant at all right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going to miss a few weeks, according to David Bell. It's a hamstring in- injury. And... uh so Shogo Akiyama is going to be out for a little while. And so, you know, um, looks like it's Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Nick Castellanos in the outfield for now. But I think you're, I don't think you're wrong about the best possible lineup. Might not, I, I, that's an interesting point. I, it may not include Mustakas, but it, again, yeah. we're, we're talking, that's not going to happen. Mustakas is. No, it's not, it is 100% not going to happen. Yeah. But like I said, I was stirring the pot. That is interesting information about Nick Senzel, especially because. That guy can play some third base. Yes, I think so. I think so. Um, so I think we probably at this point, I'm trying to be careful. Uh, I think at this point we need to just give up on that idea until David Bell's fired, which who knows when that might be. Um, so uh, listen, Winker, Senzel, Cassianos, I'm okay with that outfield though. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Isn't this... This offense, it's better than we saw in the 60 games last year. It's got to be, right? Yes. It, I mean, it really does. I mean... I can't, I can't see a scenario where it's worse. Listen, the Reds had, what was it, like the worst batting average on balls in play in modern history. Always a BABIP guy, this guy, Jason and London. It's, and it's not... And also, it was a weirdo 60-game season. Like, I just... There's just no scenario where this doesn't get better. I think that's right. The Reds always give me a headache, though. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I do want to mention before I uh, talk more, moving on, uh, about the Akiyama injury. I'm so excited to watch Akiyama this year. I really think he's going to be good. But I'm guessing this probably gets Aristides Aquino into the mix a little bit. And I don't know what to make of Aquino, but um, I like him. <laughs> and so, you know, who knows? Maybe he can be a guy. I don't know. I just, I wanted to mention him because. It's so weird because it's like, you know, he came up and did what he did. And then the Reds just kind of like gave up on him. Yeah. I wonder what they saw out of the ketchup factory. Like, but, yeah, they just, I mean, he was NL Player of the Month, his first month. I mean, you know, I remember looking up, and no one had ever started like him. And um, no one had ever started like him and not turned into at least a, a you know, decent enough player. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I, I think about guys like, and maybe uh, India is a good uh, comp here as well, but like Chris Sabo, who come up late and, you know, Become a guy for a while, and you know, um, short career, but can but contribute for a while. All star games, and yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, and I didn't know, I don't know that Aquino's that level, but I don't know. I wonder about that guy. I like him, though. I like his name. What a great name. What a great name. Also, as we speak, your boy Jonathan India has hit another home run. Oh, my gosh, I love that guy. He's probably my favorite player. Probably. <laughs> probably. Let me ask you this question, Jason Linden. I didn't uh, prepare you for this, so I want to get your uh, off-the-cuff answer. Wade Miley. What what are your expectations? Because I made a statement on on uh, Twitter.com that people disagreed with. Um, what are your expectations? What are your thoughts about Wade Miley? Um, if it was up to me, he'd be in the bullpen, but I think he'll be fine as a starter. I think he'll be fine as a starter. That that's your quote, and and I think that's right. People have a. Here's my opinion. People think he's awful because of what we've seen. He, yeah, you know, when he was injured. Like 14 innings of I'm hurt. Yeah. Right. I think he's a perfectly serviceable number five starter. I, as a matter of fact, I think he's probably above, when you talk about just the five, number five starters, he's probably above average for big league. Big oh, I, I think he's going to be fine. If he's the fifth best starter on this team and does just what he's done for his career averages, he is well above average for a fifth starter. Yeah, and he was bad last year because he was hurt, but the year before that, he was... Until the end of the season, he was fine. He was not fine. He was good for yeah. Houston. And then the year before that was when he was with our, our pitching coach, Derek Johnson, in Milwaukee. And he was really good that year. I don't know. I mean, I know he's old. But I think I like Wade Miley more than any other Reds uh, fan. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't love Wade Miley, but I think he's fine. Also, I did not realize until just this moment that he played for seven teams in the last seven years. That's hard That's to do. <laughs> I've played for zero teams in the last seven years. That's true. Okay. Um, Jason, I've not been looking forward to this, but we have to talk about it. Do we, though? Do we? <laughs> we do. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, and, and listen, I tell you every week, don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why anyone would. And Jason doesn't follow me on Twitter. I follow you on Twitter. You pay me to. <laughs> no, no, I blocked you. Um, I have been critical of Reds owner Bob Castellini. Did you know that, Jason? I was aware, yes. <laughs> I also have been critical of him. You have. You absolutely have. I wrote a thing this week uh, for The Riverfront, which is my newsletter. Go subscribe to that dumb thing, chaddotson.substack.com. But anyway, the the... The title of the piece, the sub, the, you know, the the heading headline was "Love the Reds, Boycott Bob Castellini," which is what I'm doing. I'm, you know, whatever. You, you go to watch Reds games if you want. I'm boycotting Bob Castellini. Well, anyway, Bob Castellini today. Well, it was published today. He did an interview with uh, Paul Doherty of the Cincinnati Enquirer. Now, I'm a long-standing. Uh, member of the, I won't read anything Paul Doherty writes. What's that? I said, speaking of people to boycott. Whew. Doherty, he's the worst. He's he's not good at his job. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. Well, he did, it was an audio interview with a Red Zoner, Bob Castellini, and I listened to it. And it was the first thing that, Doherty ever did that was that I actually approved of. But Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some quotes, some things I heard in this interview. It's like a 25 minute interview or something with the Reds owner Bob Castellini, and I'm just gonna tell you, it completely infuriated me. So we got to talk about it. So I'm sorry, Jason. Can you forgive me? I can for I, we'll see how it comes in the end, but I think so. Okay. Here are some quotes. First thing, uh, when talking about, you know, last year's team and why they the offense was bad, here's the quote. Look at our batting averages. This is the least offensive thing he said. Look at our batting averages. He said uh, that we knew Trevor Bauer was going to fetch huge dollars and we knew we couldn't meet that. Now, uh, couldn't. The answer there really is wouldn't. You are a billionaire, Bob. 
Yeah. He, they could see this is, I'm going to get frustrated and I don't want to talk about Bob Kessling every week. He is the number one problem with this organization. And it's not even close in my opinion. He's trying to do the same thing that we've heard for the last quarter of a century. He's trying to cry poor. He is trying to say, we can't, we can't do this in Cincinnati. They could, ha- could they have signed Trevor Bauer if they wanted to? And we can talk about whether they should have, but could they have if they wanted to, Jason? Yeah. That's the answer, right? Listen, major league owners are all billionaires. And I'll tell you, can I, can I rant for a second? I wish you would. One of my least favorite arguments is when people are like, well, blah, blah, blah. It's not liquid. It's just the team value. I'm like, so is it imaginary or is it money? Because if it's not wealth that you can access, then it's not wealth. So, but yeah, when they sell this, they're sure going to access, when they sell the team, they're sure going to access that billion plus dollars that the team is worth. So how about you, you know, borrow on that a little bit and field a team? Or not, not just, not even borrow, but how about you call in the, you know, the ownership, minority ownership and, and, and do a, you know, a call for cash, basically an infusion of cash because you're all going to get wait well first of all you're already unbelievably wealthy but it's gonna be even more wealthy when you sell this team yeah you're gonna get richer so come on yeah so uh, so listen reds fans don't buy this nonsense we've been sold this bill of goods for a quarter of a century now it's absolutely not true he says we couldn't meet what trevor bauer is going to fetch that's not true they wouldn't meet what he could uh, was going to fetch it's not that they could. The whole thing was just crime poor. And then and then he blames it on you, Reds fans. We depend on fans more than other teams. And so then he talks about how the lack of fans, you know, last year and this year, um was is the reason why they couldn't spend money this offseason. Get I'm getting upset, Jason. You know what? Here, I'll get upset on your behalf. No, they don't. At this point, almost no major league teams depend seriously on fans. It's a nice source of revenue, but thanks to revenue sharing, everybody's got money to spend. Also, Major League Baseball is a giant corporation, and you are one of 30 shareholders, and you're all conspiring with each other to suppress salaries and line your own pockets. So shut up and put a team on the field. Yes. And the other point... Jason, what brings fans to the park more than anything? W's. W's. Winning games. You really want fans? Win games? We will fill up Great American Ballpark. Yeah, they didn't have any trouble filling up Great American Ballpark when they had that run of making the playoffs, did they? <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing. Yeah, funny how that works. He, he can't and figure they, that and out. And then what happened, Chad? Did they spend any money, or did they let the team just completely fall apart and suck for a decade? I don't know. Did they, I don't think they ever lost more than you know ninety games or so. Yeah. For a few years. Oof. Okay. Again, I'm going to go through some more things. He says, "Quote: I'm not averse to being more like Tampa Bay." To give Doherty credit, and I hate to do this, he really did kind of push him a little bit. He really did. I'm not averse to being more like Tampa Bay, but then Doherty didn't say. You know, a few weeks ago, Doherty reported something that I have independent confirmation of, which is that. He came to the the front office and asked about uh, how's Tampa Bay doing this, and so they did a huge you know powerpoints and a huge presentation about how Tampa Bay does it, and he completely rejected all of it. He's just lying when he says he's not averse to be more like Tampa Bay. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to give up control of uh, you know um, player uh, you know player trades and 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 acquisitions. He doesn't want to give up control of the baseball ops. Okay, here's the part that got me the most. He admitted that being a Reds fan has affected his approval of trades of popular players. Quote, I did not want to trade uh, some players because of the appeal to season ticket buyers. And he mentioned specifically Billy Hamilton, Todd Frazier, and Aroldis Chapman. And he, uh, again, I have confirmation that he rejected proposed trades of each of those guys. And one of those uh, trades would have been for a really good guy, a, like a, a super, superstar. 
that I don't have permission to say the name. But anyway, my point is that he has no business whatsoever being involved in any baseball operations decision. He he basically said, if we make a trade, it might give us fewer fans, you know, the next night. Our, our season ticket holders are going to be mad. But again, win games and they're going to be there. Win games and you'll have more season ticket holders, doofus. How can he not figure that out? I mean... <sighs> Let's let's let I mean let let's be real about Bob Castellini. Can we be real real about Bob Castellini? Oh, I hope you will because I'm so upset with him. He's never going to hire me. I mean, you know, I I went I got real curious one time, so I went looking. He graduated from business school, and his first job was vice president of Daddy's company. It's not like this guy has gotten where he's gotten on merit. Like, well, he's not gotten to be the best owner in baseball on merit. I know that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't know how to get out of his own way. He never had to build something up. Yeah, he was, he sure thinks he hit a triple. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, was born on third base and uh, thinks he hit a triple. Yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, here's the quote that killed me, because I just said he's got no business being involved in any baseball operations decisions. Quote: Personnel matters. I insist on final say. Front office and manager, final say. Everything else is up for discussion. He insists on final say on uh, on these personnel matters. How is this guy, who clearly, he's freaking clueless about baseball. He insists on final about say. about modern game. Oh, gosh. That is the problem. That is the reason why, for the entire time that his ownership group has been... Um, in control. That is why the Reds have been largely straight garbage. Is because Bob Castellini, quote unquote, insists on final say. All right, let me finish this up. We got to get move on. I'm, I'm tired of it. I mean, the last couple things he said is basically that the Reds don't have a fair chance, but it's an opportunity to do more with less. This is the quote: "It's an opportunity to do more with less, and that's competition. We feel like we can work harder and smarter and win." He's trying to condition you, Reds fans, the same thing that, you know, John Allen and Carl Lindner did before. We just can't do it. It's a small market. What do you think about that, Jason? I don't believe in small markets in baseball. Like I said, it's a giant corporation. <laughs> All right, last thing. Paul Doherty's question was, how close are the Reds to competing again? He refused to answer the question, first of all. And he, here's the quote, word for word. It's absolutely impossible to tell you. There's such a frazzled financial outlook to our sport. Bob Castellini is the problem with the Cincinnati Reds. Period. Am I right or wrong? You are correct. Can we move on? Yes. I'm sorry. I really... I'm, I'm tired of talking about that guy, but he... I mean, we've been talking about him for years now. Yeah, he's the problem. He is the single problem with this organization. Okay, injuries. Uh, the, just get through the last of the news, then we'll do some uh, viewer mail. Some injuries this week, and this is the thing that worries me about these Reds. Sonny Gray, back spasms. He's going to miss opening day. TJ Antone, his hamstring a little issue. Thinks he's okay, and he's been throwing. Um, you know, uh, the reason I bring that up is I want, here's my question for you, Jason. Does this team have enough depth to really survive too many injuries? On the pitching end, they do, yeah. I think so. I mean... Yeah, I mean, like, I can see that. I mean, Sonny Gray, if Sonny Gray is down and TJ Antone is down, and yet they still have a major league rotation, probably with a guy or so to spare, don't they? Like, It actually may be the best... The most depth they've had is in, I mean, I know we lost Trevor Bauer, but it actually may be the most depth they've had in a while, right? Yeah. I mean, elsewhere in the outfield, yes, they have depth. Uh, in the infield, oh, God, no. <laughs> because they didn't get a shortstop. They, if they had a shortstop, sure. But, I mean, let's be real. Anybody on the infield gets hurt, and it's going to be a few weeks of Kyle Farmer, wherever that is. Uh, oh, Kyle Farmer. And I want to say, for the record, I am not a Kyle Farmer detractor. Like, 
that is a guy who has clearly worked extremely hard and is doing everything he can to maximize his potential. And as always, every player on the Reds, I always hope that they will exceed their limitations or whatever, like prove us wrong. I'm just saying, based on his history, you don't want Kyle Farmer as your starting third baseman. But I would love for Kyle Farmer to get, you know, 300 at-bats from playing everywhere this season and hit 25 home runs and make me think I was dumb. Yeah, I mean, and, and even if he's just like the 25th guy, 26th guy on the roster, I don't have a problem with Kyle Farmer. He can play different positions and, you know. He's an incredibly useful player, really. I mean, he can play everywhere but center, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, though. He's not a starting shortstop, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't have a role on this team. The Reds just try to convince us for a little while that he might be the starting shortstop. It's crazy, but that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. You just don't want him to be your first bat off the bench. <laughs> or a starter, as yeah. I thought it was going to happen. Okay, you want to answer some viewer mail questions, Jason? I'm Lindens? always up for listener mail, Chad. You know I love the listeners. You do love the viewer mail, so let's uh, let's get into it. First question. First of all, these questions, and I don't know that we're going to have time to get through all of them this week. You guys are are killing me, and I love it. Our Patreon group, Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. That's Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, where you too can support the podcast and also uh, you know maybe get your question answered here on. On the world's most dangerous podcast. First question comes from Joe Farsing. Once again, he he's the first one in there. His question is this. If Gino, and I think he's talking about Eugenio Suarez, if Gino ends up at shortstop, then is it crazy to think the infield will be both the worst defense of all time and will hit more homers than any other infield? As far as I can tell, the 2008 Marlins and the 2019 A's have their record with 130 home runs. Is it crazy to think they'll be the worst defense of all time and will hit more homers than other injuries? What do you think, Jason Lindham? Uh, what was the record? 138-ish? 130. 130. And to, to Joe also gives us, uh, Gino's uh, top is 49, Moose's is 38, Votto 37. That's the most they've hit in a year. You'd be pushing it. Yeah, I don't see it happening, but... Also, I don't think, for the record, yes. that it would be the worst defense ever or whatever. Like, you know, I, I think that um, the left side is maybe not going to be pretty, but I know that people probably, at this point, kind of discount some of the things that I say when it comes to Votto. <laughs> but, like, for his career, Joey Votto was an above-average first baseman. For his career... And, yeah, and you know, last year was anomalous, but the year before that, he was a he was above average as a first baseman. Like, you know, he's a first baseman, so he's not going to be set the world on fire defensively. But he's a good defensive first baseman. I'm not I mean, sure I agree with that. Expect India would be a, a good second baseman. So, I'm not sure I agree. I agree with that about uh, Votto's defense this year. I don't have any expectation he's going to be an above average defensive player. I think probably at least at least three of the four positions they're going to be below average. With the primary starters, India, who knows? Um, but still, that's a long way from, especially with as we've already talked about, the shifts and all that. That's a long way from being the worst defensive infield of all time. So, yeah, I don't see either of those happening. Uh, worst defensive infield or most home runs. Although, man, I'd love that. Also, I'll also, I had a hunch, and I'm going to correct Mr. Farsing here. You ready for this? I love it. Let's do it. The 2002 Texas Rangers got 131 home runs out of their Ooh. starting infield. So who's in that infield? Uh, A-Rod? A-Rod with 57. Uh, Palmero with 43. Wow. Michael Young with 9. And Herbert Perry, who I'd never heard of until this moment, with 22. Wow. There's a person named Herbert Perry that hit 22 home runs in the major leagues in one season? In 2002, no less. Well, I wasn't born then. No, you are very young. It's true. It is true. Next question comes from our guy, Jerry Saduth. Saduth. I mispronounce his name every single time he asks a question. Saduth. Jerry, I'm sorry. I'm not mispronouncing it on purpose. Believe me. His question is this. With Jonathan India's performance this spring getting him legitimate consideration for a starting spot, what are realistic expectations for him if he does break camp as the starter at second? Will he be the second base version 
of Brandon Larson or something better? Actually, I think we've already answered that, right? I mean, I, we answered what I think he'll be, which yeah. is maybe an av- an average second baseman or, you know. What do you think? I think, I, I you know, I think you assume average-ish. Yeah. And with with a high with a high ceiling, average though may, is that pushing it too much for a guy that's never played in the big leagues? No, to expect averageish. He was listen. He was the fifth pick in the draft. You expect those guys to come up and be good. You don't expect them. I mean, you know that's what's supposed to happen. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, like we see this happen on other teams around the league. We saw it. Let's 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 back up here. We saw it happen with Jay Bruce. Even never heard of him, right? We saw it happen with Joey Votto, who wasn't as high of a pick. Like you know, plenty of guys come up and are good enough right away. Yeah, well, uh, the the flip side's true as well, though, right? Yes, the flip side also is true. Plenty of guys come up and just cannot hack it. Well, this brings me to the next question from Kyle Kapler. First of all, it starts out, think positively with three exclamation points. Okay, Kyle, I'll try. His question is this, would India, and this is a decent way to frame it, would India theoretically be an upgrade offensively over the 2020 version of Freddie Gallus? Even, yeah. mar- even marginally, he says, yeah. then, then you could make an argument that the offense has improved over the offseason. Yeah, he's right. I mean, if you make that argument, the offense should have improved. Yep. He also notes that India's career minor league on base percentage three sixty nine, Senzel's was three eighty eight. If those guys can post those on base percentages, okay, we may we may be okay. Yeah, I mean, and and keep in mind, guys, you know, this is just such a you, where, where their position is matters. Second basemen do not typically hit very well on the major league level. So if you've got somebody who's hitting in the neighborhood of a, of average or slightly above average. That's a good major league second baseman, at least offensively. True. We're ignoring the defense a little bit, and that's going to be a question, but how much of a question? I don't know. All right, the next question comes from, and, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, we. I'm going to answer this question, even though it's a little bit more, it's not necessarily risque, but it's more so than what we usually answer on here. So, you know. Another question from Coop. <laughs> it is not, but... Jason, if you need to put your earmuffs on, maybe do this now. It's very mild, but it's... Mike Hudson Sucks asks, This is episode 366. The most important episode in any podcast is coming up, in which you must make a decision. Episode 369 needs to be entitled, Damn She Fine, after Little John's 2002 classic, Get Low. Will you do the right thing, Chad? Have you ever heard of that song? I have not. I haven't either. And Mike, come on, man. Really? I will always do the right thing. But I don't know. That episode, though, I will guarantee will be nice. Hooper Powell asks this. When David Bell gets relieved of his duties as manager, who would you rather they hire of the following? Number one, Lou Brown, who could also get you a good deal on a set of white walls. Mr. Buttermaker or Keanu Reeves from the movie Hardball. He lets his pitchers listen to music while pitching. Buttermaker's from uh, um, uh, the kids. Good grief. The Bad News Bears. Lou Brown's from Major League. When David Bell gets fired, who you got? I'm going to go with Keanu. Keanu, interesting. Everybody likes Keanu. Head Theodore Logan. I'm going with uh, Morris Buttermaker from Bad News Bears. Chuck Nichols, one question and one observation for this week's podcast. Is it weird that when the Reds are playing an away game that I mute the TV and sync WLW with the game? My wife tends to think so. Uh, My one observation is David Bell must be as giddy as a schoolboy with spring training games because of the plethora of personnel moves he gets to make every game. (laughs) What are your thoughts? That's a good one, Chuck. I agree with that. Um, you ever do that? Mute the TV and, and sync the radio with the game? You've ever done that? I've done it. Yeah, it's it's been a while, but I've I have done it. Yes, I, I have found the uh, 
the 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 TV broadcast to be uh, refreshingly enjoyable so far this year. Uh, yeah, well, I can't say I've only listened to our our crew once uh, so far this spring because you know whatever spring training. But um, yeah, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see how uh, John Sadak does. And uh, so far, the early returns are very very good. And and you know, uh, Tommy Thrall on radio. You know, uh, I like him. I think he's good. Is he? Does he stand out? I don't know yet. You know, um, but I'm willing to give him the chance to to kind of grow into the position. I'm over. I'm all right with it. Um, Do you know what I think? This is just just an aside. Do you know what I think might be legitimately good for this organization? Tell me. That, as far as I am aware, it's possible I'm missing some someone. But as far as I'm aware. There is no longer anyone connected with the organization who's been connected with them since the Big Red Machine. I think that's probably true. And I mean, you know, if there is a fan base that needs to move on from something, it was Castellani's not fifty years ago, folks. Yeah, I know, but it's all we've got. <laughs> it's all we've got. Oh, that's a good point. I like it. Joey Gaditza, you know I love you, buddy. That's going to be a question that's going to take us a little while to unpack, so ask us again next week. Mike Perry asks, with Suarez being played at shortstop this late in spring training, I have one question. Do the Reds even have a plan? The answer is no, but it's not the baseball ops guys. It's not Nick Carl's fault. It's Bob Castellini's fault. Anything you have to add to that? Nope. Excellent. Jordan Salisbury. Why is Corky Miller still hanging around? What is the Cincinnati Reds' obsession with him? Keep up the great work, guys. Listen, I, I got no objections to Corky Miller, but I said on Twitter, and some people got mad at me. You know, has any, anyone made more out of just a funky mustache than that guy? Kudos to him for making as much as he has out of it. But, you know, the Reds wished him a happy birthday today. And, you know, I mean, he's cool name, Corky. And I mean, great mustache, but icon, but he is also like famously was just an outstandingly brilliant defensive catcher. Let's not forget that. Well, you not good enough to build a big league career around it. Well, no, because he couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper sack. But like if he if he'd had even the bat of Hannigan, he would have started for, you know, a decade. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Awesome mustache, though. I mean, we got to give him that, right? We do, yes. Charles Zollers uh, makes a, a, a an intemperate comment about UMBC, first of all, um, which doesn't bother me anymore. And uh, then he says, asks how I feel about the fact that we both like teams that consistently disappoint us. And he's talking about Tottenham Hotspur and Cincinnati Reds. We're fans of soccer and baseball, and those are our teams that are garbage mostly. They just kill us. So, Charlie, I'm not going to answer your questions because you tried to provoke me with UMBC, and I don't appreciate it. Risto Neatly asks, Hey there, Chad and Jason. It's time for hobbies to keep us occupied until opening day. What are each of your favorite non-baseball-related hobbies? Mine is blacksmithing on my home-built fort. Wait a minute. What year is this? Black? Is this 1812? Is, is there such a thing as blacksmithing this, these days? It does still exist, yes. Outstanding. I love it. Mine is blacksmithing on my home-built forge in my workshop along with other metalworking such as welding and milling on a small metal lathe. I do this to make ornamental items and yard art or repair of all sorts of things. Okay, first of all, Risto, that's awesome. And I want to see some of your uh, what, what you make. Jason, do you have a favorite non-baseball-related hobby? Well, I mean, I think everybody knows mine. I, I, I read and I write. And I write, actually, everybody thinks I write just about baseball. Most of my writing is not baseball. You're a good writer, Jason. Have I told you that? Huh? You're a good writer. Thank you, Chad. I'm a fan. I'm a fanboy. It's, it's nice to have fans. <laughs> you know, my... Especially as young and vibrant as you, Chad. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That mean That's meaningful to me. Uh, Risto, my favorite non-baseball-related hobby is, you know... Get home after a long day at work. Oh, man. Go downstairs. Fire up the kiln. Fire up the kiln. That's something we do these days, too, right? Fire up the kiln? Sure. I mean, he's, if he's a blacksmith, I can fire up the kiln and, kiln and uh, you know, 
I don't I'm, know. Just, I'm just wondering if you're a closet potter, Chad. I, you know, a little pottery in the basement. I mean, I don't really have a basement or a kiln, but, you know. You know, uh, my favorite non-baseball-related hobby is, uh, I mean, you know, I watch movies. That's what I do. That's my kind of, I don't know if it's really a hobby. That's what I do with my spare time. But one thing I've been doing lately is I've gotten back, and this will appeal to you, Jason, I know, because I know a little bit about you personally. Um, my daughter has really kind of pushed me to get back into uh, the guitar. And I've not played guitar in a long time. And so lately I've been trying to get back into it in my spare moments. And I'm having a good time with it. And, uh, you know, I'm not great. My daughter's really good. Uh, and so it embarrasses me. So I'm I'm trying to get better before she comes home for the summer. And because uh, I told her we would uh, we would play. But that's what I've been trying to do lately. Now, Jason, I know you're I know you're a guitarist. I, I am. In ages ago, uh, yeah, I, I I played in some bar bands and things. Once upon a time in a different life. Um, and I really just want to know, Chad. Uh, how many Dave Matthews tabs have you downloaded, and why is it all of them? <laughs> I've downloaded all of them. I can't play any of them. Uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Petty for right now. Three chords, basically. Don't bore okay. us. Get to the chorus, and then I'll maybe later on I'll move on. Uh, when we're doing the uh, the the Red Leg Nation Radio Band, and we'll go uh, play some gigs at the Holy Grail. I, I am positive they would never have us. <laughs> I am 100% positive of that as well. One more question, but I've got a real problem with this question. I mean, I'm really upset about it. Petro's Wheels is the name of, or the pseudonym of the person that is asking this question. Petro's Wheels asks, first two words are this, for Jason. Oh. What in the name of all that is good and pure are you doing asking Jason a question and not even mentioning me, Petro? Well, I mean, they, they, listen, they know where the real talent is, Chad. <laughs> listen, okay, I, I mean, I accept that, but still, it, you don't want to hurt my feelings. I mean, I'm a sensitive guy. That's true. We do need to be nice to Chad. He is dope. <laughs> and I actually have an opinion on this question, but I'm going to let you answer it first, and then I'll weigh in. Okay. Okay. For Jason... Please help settle a debate that I have with coworkers. In the 21st century, do you do you use a single space between sentences or a double space? Hashtag single spacer for life, he says. Well, so I'm being asked this question because I'm an English teacher. Exactly. And I can tell you that the standard across everything now is one space after a period. Yes. And that, and that's what I use. That's that's where I am. But were you not brought up being taught that it was double space after a sentence? I was. Yeah, I got the tail end of that in high school. Um, and then it kind of faded away by the time I, I got into college. Um, but, you know, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on my controversial podcast opinions. We could just label it semicolons are garbage for pretentious people. Okay, I love me some semicolons. I'm not going to listen to this slander. <laughs> and the second question is this, to determine whether or not you're ever back on the podcast, Jason. Okay. Oxford, comma, yes or no? Yes. Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so my much. My God, have you not seen enough enough examples of why the Oxford, comma, just every side of the comma? How does anyone argue against the Oxford, comma? I mean, sure, sometimes you can get by without it, but oh man, the times that you can't get by without it, just butcher your sentences. Come on. <sighs> Jason, I'm, I'm about to cry. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I've moved you so deeply, Chad. Oh, the Oxford comma. So we agree on our grammatical. Uh, I'm still upset with you, Petro's Wills, for not addressing me in your question, but good question. All right, Jason, final thoughts about the Cincinnati Reds this week. You're okay with, uh, you're okay with Gino at short. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? I'm okay with Gino at short. Please, no one else get hurt. Oh, please. Before we uh, end this uh, thing tonight, I think we do need to mention that a member, uh, an important member in some ways, of the Big Red Machine passed away today. We're recording this on Thursday, and it's Ed Armbrister. Ed Armbrister was you know, a member of the Big Red Machine. He came over 
in the trade in 1971 with the Astros, in which the Reds also acquired a guy named Joe Morgan, you may have heard of. And, uh, you know, uh, he, not necessarily a, you know, superb big league career, but he had that bunt in game three of the 75 World Series that Carlton Fisk made an error and the Reds ended up winning in 10 innings. Um, you know, just, uh, so he, he's, he's an important part of that big red machine team that Jason wants us to forget, but died today at 72. And so just, you know, uh, pour one out for Ed Armbrister, uh, rest in peace, right? Yes, indeed. Okay, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 366. We're on all your podcast device. If there's some place you'd want to d- download a podcast and we're not there, please let me know. Reach out to me because we want to be everywhere that you find your podcast. If there, if you get your podcast somewhere that allows you to leave reviews, give us a five-star review. Go in, uh, you know, and, and obviously tell all your friends about us. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. I am Chad Dotson. I have been honored to have Jason Linden with me here today. We'll see you again next week for Jason Linden and Ed Armbrister. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.